0: With you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, just need your word. We need your word to tell us of your great grace. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you that you are trustworthy and that you have made yourself available. We thank you that you lived for us and died for us and rose for us so, God, we give ourselves again to those truths and claim them as our own. We could not even understand them if it were not for your gift and your Holy Spirit and your grace. So we thank you, Lord. We come based on your merit and not our own. uh, Asking you to make us more like yourself. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How are we doing, Storm? Okay. All right. Glad to hear that. So we lost three trees at the church across the street at the FLC. Unfortunately, none of them fell on the FLC. Did he fall the White House? Uh, n- or the White House. No, uh, they, they, they escaped mightily. <laughs> Which it, the worst possible thing is that it missed the FLC but hit the air conditioning unit. So, uh, so it's, we can still use it, but we've got to fix the air conditioning unit. All right. Um, so we've been saying, if you've been with us over the last, I don't know, year and a half, but, um, but really the last uh, seven weeks, that we're we are, we've begun to move towards Jerusalem. And what should be implicit in that statement is not just that we're moving towards the cross, but that we're actually moving towards Holy Week, we're moving towards the passion of, of Jesus. Uh, and so we, um, we're actually uh, just, we're going to have this week, and then next week we'll finish chapter 20, and chapter 21 begins uh, Jesus' last week. And that'll be a new, a new part uh, as, as we uh, go through our study of Matthew. But it'll be, um, so Jesus' is last week, and that's chapter 21, the triumphal entry. But as we're moving towards the Passion, uh, Jesus is preparing us to take up our own crosses. And of course, through, through Matthew, Matthew is, is preparing us with Jesus to take up our own crosses. And really, that's not just uh, to say that it's something that is difficult. Um, it may be uh, but often we talk about you know this is just my cross to bear it's something that is difficult or something even about ourselves uh, that, we, uh, that we that we that we know needs sanctification but it's it's um, you know a marathon is difficult but that's not a cross to bear you know um, a, a big project for which you're going to get paid well at church uh, might be very difficult but it's not a cross to bear um, but it's it's um It it requires death, and that's that's what taking up our cross means. It requires death, uh, metaphorically or spiritually. It requires death to self. Um, Practically, it might you know, not probably none of us will be martyred. You know,
1: Um,
0: but but I mean, like I told you, I'm reading Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he was martyred. You know, that was in the um, late '40s in Germany. there are plenty of people right now being martyred, just not in America. You know, in South Sudan and North Korea and, and, and different places. So, um, it it requires death to self for us. It requires it might even require suffering or rejection, all of which Jesus endured on, on the cross. Two weeks ago, we looked at marriage, uh, marriage and and, and uh, divorce as well. But a marriage, of course, a relationship that requires death to our selfishness uh, in order to flourish. And uh, and so, um, death to our tendency that we would naturally have to use our spouse as a means to our own happiness. Um, and, and so, we talked a lot about that, but it does marriage requires death uh, to, to ourself so that the other might live. There's a lot of Christian marriage, uh, Christian uh, gospel analogy in, in marriage, and the Bible uses it quite frequently. Then last week... Um, oh, I should I should finish that. Not just death itself, but resurrection uh, to a life of service uh, that is um, grace-giving, uh, a life that is forgiving and reconciling. I mean, that's if you've been married more than like you know three days, then you've had to forgive and and, and reconcile and um, and and give grace. Um, and if you haven't, then your spouse has. To, um, <laughs> It's typically the direction it goes in my house, uh, Last week we looked at money and possessions. Uh, we looked at the rich young man, again, death to selfishness, right? Uh, death to the thing that crowds our heart, and nothing crowds our heart like wealth. I mean, wealth is just, uh, our, our love of money is just another way that we're selfish, but it's, but it's just, uh, nothing seems to crowd our heart uh, like wealth. Um, it competes for our heart's allegiance. Like money, like what we think of ourselves, what money can buy us, what comforts, what uh, luxuries. But in the end, um, we said briefly, uh, as we looked at that passage last week, the end of chapter 19, that we said that Jesus talks about rewards. And, and Jesus, uh, Peter says, I've given up everything and, and, um, and to follow you. And, and Jesus says, you're going to get it all back a hundred times over. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Well, we didn't really spend a lot of time on that. Um, but but it, in fact, this, this passage that we're in today, chapter 20, picks up on that. It's, there's a, it's a new chapter, but there's no break in the conversation. It's just a continued part of the conversation. So we want to go back just a little bit again. Um, there, there are a few themes that run all the way through the Bible, and they just speak to the upside-downness Of Christian faith, uh, which is to say that life comes after death, not before it. Um, That whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. These things basically make no sense from an earthly perspective. Um, And I want to read that paragraph at the end of chapter 19 again. With God all things are possible. Then Peter says, I'm in, uh, if you've got a Bible, I'm chapter 19, verse 27. Then Peter said in reply, see, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And he's asking this because the rich young man went away sad. And Jesus said it's harder for a rich man to enter um, the kingdom of heaven than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. So What about us? We left everything to follow you. What do we have? Jesus said, truly I say to you in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, so this is really not in this world, but in the next, you who have followed me will, all, will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now that's a, not a promise for all of us, that's for the twelve apostles, and, and rightly so, but everyone, he says, now everyone, this is for us, everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Now, just, Jesus is not saying that a great way to get rich in this life is to leave everything and follow Jesus. Um, there are some people, actually, who following Jesus has been financially profitable for them, but most people, uh, it's, it doesn't work out that way. It's, it's, it's one way or the other. When we talk about, um, you know, the things we have are great blessings. But... Um, some people follow Jesus, and um, and they, they make a lot less than they would have otherwise. But he says um, that you will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life, for many who are first will be last, and the last first. I think that, that um, Jesus is saying that you can trust that whatever death that you have endured, death in marriage for the sake of Jesus, death in marriage, uh, regard to wealth for the sake of Jesus, uh, whatever it is, that it will not be wasted in the kingdom. Uh, it will, um, whatever death you have endured, whatever death you have willingly sacrificed, it will not be in vain. And God will use it. There is a sense of reward. That, that, but I, I think it, as it, might, we might also think of it as consequence. To give something up for Jesus is to expect in this life, perhaps, but certainly in the next, that we will receive, uh, that we will easily say, and it's all worth it. All worth it. I just, um, the, the bi- this biblical insistence that, that, that the way of God is upside down from the way of the world, uh, which is not to say that you should be nice when your tendency is to be me, which, are, you know, of course, that's true. But, but to say that, that, again, that the first should be last, um, the first should not be last. The first should be first because the first have earned it. Like That's the way of the world. The last should be pitied and maybe helped, uh, but not promoted without cause. Right? That's the way of, of the world. Uh, life comes before death, not after. I wonder what you think of. When you hear these concepts and in the Bible, do, you, do they get you excited or do they get you confused or you just gloss over them? What, what, how, do you, how do you understand the first shall be last and the last shall be first?
1: Is it about how they put themselves in relation to others? More so, if I put myself first in relation to others with God, I'll be last. Whereas if I put myself last,
0: then I'll give the reward. I mean, it reminds me of the uh, the parable that Jesus talks about when he when he in the wedding the wedding banquet where he says, "Don't sit in the best seat, you know, because somebody's just going to take take that seat from you. Like sit at the worst seat so they can tell you to come up higher." I mean, of course, the great example is is Jesus himself, who had every right to sit the at the best seat, but came not to be served, but to serve. And, and that beautiful passage in Philippians chapter 2, where he says that he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, or a thing to be exploited, like, um, or even a thing to be taken for granted, um, because he had it. But, but in fact, he humbled himself and took, uh, made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, and... Um, And humbled himself even to the point of death. But God exalted him that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow and tongue confess in heaven and on earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. So um, there is this exaltation that comes with uh, a a willful humiliation. And yet if we're doing it, like there's this sort of this razor thin fine line that says if we're doing it, if we're humbling ourselves in order to be exalted, then we're not really humbling ourselves. Right? (laughs) Uh, there is this uh, necessary forgetfulness, self-forgetfulness, I think, that comes with this.
1: Look at how humble I am.
0: <laughs> yes, right. I'm the best. I'm re- I've really come a long way in my humility. Uh, very proud of that. Um, we, so, like, it, it actually might sound, if, if we're talking to someone that does not get it, you know, someone that does not have this faith or this frame of reference, to say that the last shall be first might actually sound unjust. Um, again, do you what you've noticed this about the Christian faith? And You're good with it, or what? I, I don't think it's unjust. I think it's more just
1: misunderstood. Okay.
0: Briggs said it's misunderstood. You want to you want to fill that out for us, or you?
1: Well, when somebody reads that and says, you know, how can you
0: belong to a church where this is this is the doctrine? Yeah. I mean, this seems unfair. Um, I I think my internal response is something along the line of well, it's just misunderstood. That
1: the, the meaning of the words is a lot deeper than what that person took in just by reading that one.
0: Right. So we're we're. I mean, I think you you give a wise counsel that that our first reaction may not be the the wisest uh, um, interpretation, uh, and, and we sh- we might want to sit with it and let it. Do its work in us. That's that's a really that's a really good advice. The reason again to go back to that chapter is that this section continues the thinking of it, um, and and in fact we have uh, Jesus saying, "For the kingdom of heaven is light." So whenever you hear the word "for" used in this way, it means. So so let me explain or let me illustrate why what I just said is true. First shall be last, the last shall be first, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, this, I'm going I'm to read this parable. It is, I, I don't know if controversial is the right word, but it is um, distasteful uh, in, in some ways. And and if you don't know the parable, you will you'll quickly, I think, see why it kind of uh, makes us bristle a little bit. Yes, John? Okay. I have, like, a whole different, I don't know, perspective would be the one On the parable itself? No,
1: Well, it goes Or
0: on the, Bible, the first should be last. Um,
1: on all of it together, I guess. Okay. Okay. Because I Just think don't steal my thunder mean, now. I'm not. I okay. I think human nature is to compare, but as Christians... We are not compare. And I feel like if you're going first and last and this and that, then you're comparing those things. But God guarantees that in the kingdom of heaven, everything's the same. So what you have on earth isn't nearly as important as your salvation and furthering the kingdom to get to heaven. Because every time you focus on what other people have, there's no joy and contentment on what you have. So so you're worried about...
0: That's it right. So, you, when we focus on what We're other people eight have, eight there's eight no contempt in what we have because what we need to be focusing on is Jesus and
1: everything else is just
0: craving. Well, that really, I think, gets exposed if we look at this in the way that I think is, is the proper way. Uh, but it is, I think, easy to look at this parable and go, what the heck is going on? Uh, all right. So, the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers, so early in the morning, this would be 6 a.m., that's the first hour. The 12th hour is 6 p.m., so that's, that was a typical work day, uh, just like it is uh, at the church today. So, um, <laughs> 6 a.m., 6, at six, 6 p.m., p.m. Uh, at least. All right, so, the king of heaven is like a master of house. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, that's a typical uh, wage for a day's work, he sent them into his vineyard going out about the third hour. So now we're at 9 a.m. He saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, "Uh, You go into the vineyard too. Whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, going out again at the sixth hour, noon. The ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, he did the same. At about the eleventh hour, that's where we get the uh, phrase, the eleventh hour, and about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. He said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? He said, They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, so like an hour later, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired, about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. (laughs) Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more but each of them also received a denarius, and on receiving it they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. And he replied to them, one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do with what I choose or with what belongs to me, or do you begrudge my generosity? And he says it again, "So the last will be first, and the first shall be last." So, why don't we like it?
1: <laughs> not fair! Not fair! <laughs> <That's> not fair. <laughs> I
0: think it's misconstrued, and it's easy, but I, I, I think, I think Jesus is saying. Pretty much that you can receive grace on the day of your birth, if that's possible. Yes. Or on the last day of your life, and there's no difference. Yeah, well, I think you're right. You come I think to you're it right. And you've gotten to it, it doesn't matter how much you had to labor or not labor, you achieve the goal. All right. It's indifferent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, that's really good. No, I think you're absolutely right, Keith. Uh, that's uh, for sure. Uh, but uh, just let's so let's let's get let's get let work our way there. But you're you're absolutely right. I think uh, this is not a parable about how to run a business, right? This is, this is do not treat your employees like this. This is this is not how. It's also not a parable about fairness. That's really important for us to understand. This is a parable about the upside down kingdom of heaven, because. The kingdom of heaven is the place where the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And so, um, because those who make themselves servants of all will get the greatest crown, although all the crowns are the same. So, right, everybody gets the denarius. And there are plenty of biblical passages, I think, particularly of the prophets and uh, some in St. Paul, where we have employers who are exhorted to pay workers fair wages. Jesus is not contradicting that. This is not about employment. It is about grace. So, Jesus is explaining the first shall be last and the last shall be first with this parable. Particularly, he's explaining the reward for those who have left their former lives to follow Christ. He's talking to the disciples themselves, but explaining that everyone who has left their life for Jesus will receive so much more. Now the vineyard is important for the context because they, in the Old Testament, as you may know, think about uh, Psalm eighty and many other passages, that the uh, the vineyard is a, a metaphor for Israel. Uh, that that God, Israel is called the planting of the Lord, uh, and it was planted right there in order to bear fruit for the enjoyment and the and the spiritual blessing of the nations. Now they kept them fr- fruiting themselves, and they got sent to, is- to exile for that, but. But the um, but why did they get sent to exile? So they could bear their fruit in the people that they would uh, were supposed to uh, minister to, and and to think of the church as the extension of that vineyard I think is appropriate. There, I don't want to get into sort of is Israel Israel is the church now Israel. But I, I don't. That's that's we're going to have somebody else teach about that sometime. We get the Father George to do that. Uh, but um, but this this is. Um, in, this, in John fifteen, where Jesus says, "I'm the vine, and you're the branches." Same imagery. Like Jesus is the true Israel. All right, he is he is the child of God for the fruit of and the spiritual benefit of all, of all people, and we are the branches now. To be, he's the vine; we're the branches. So we're we're the way that that fruit gets distributed. But uh, what I think is important is the master never stops looking. He. He gets, presumably, he gets the best workers and, and enough workers at 6 o'clock in the morning. Alright, y'all come with me. But he comes back again. He's still looking. Uh, and he finds him he finds every every three hours or so. Um, 9 o'clock, noon, uh, and, then, and then 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And even at the 11th hour, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, is this uh, deathbed conversion? I think that it can be taken that way. Is this to say the least, qualified are are accepted. Now, one thing to note about uh, one thing to note about the um, the these workers, these day laborers, is that these day laborers didn't have a steady job, nor did they even have the protection that slaves had. Slaves were guaranteed that they had food and shelter and and the care of their master. Uh, you know, some were treated really well and some weren't, but at least they had that security. These day laborers did not even have that. They, they were sort of the, the lowest of the low. Um, but so they were, it was, you know, they were cheap, although they were paid a, a full day's wage. And, um, and then you presumably, this is not the only guys going out to find day laborers. And so the ones who are at the last, they're probably the laziest or the least qualified, the scrawniest, the um, they they have they they were hungover when when the um, when when the laborers were were being picked and just, it's five o'clock and they just woke up you know they're ready to go to work and um, and so even them the master takes them them into the vineyard and these are the last right they're the last and they get paid first. And they get paid the same wage. They get paid a full, you know, the as they get paid as if they had worked the whole day. Now, I, I think if, if we're looking at this from an employment standpoint, I think it's really good to say and, and right to say this is this is not fair. Um, we get hung up on the wage because it's it's money, right? But the, but what is the denarius? It's heaven, right? That it's it's eternal life. And I've never heard anybody, you see someone who came to, to Christ late in life and think, well, I better get more to heaven than they do, right? Yeah, I've never heard anybody say that. I'm not saying it had never been said, but I've never heard anybody say it. And I've been around these conversations a time or two. And, and um, you know, you don't think, well, I better get the better mansion than that guy. Because, you know, like I think about my, um, I've told this story several times. My mentor, Frank Limehouse, his father came, gave his life to Christ at 90 years old. And I just love that because I just think about all of the, um, all of the people who prayed for him to come to Christ and to know Jesus, and died, never seeing it happen. Died in in with sorrow in their heart for, over this man, with joy in their heart over lots of things, I'm sure, but with, for over this man, uh, Mr. Lionhouse, sorrow in their heart because he would not come to Christ. He was a stingy haberdasher from Orangeburg, South Carolina, and. And yet, his son, who was probably sixty, and, and priest and mentor of mine, uh, helped him give his life to Christ, and he got the full denarius, right? He got, and, and we, we thank God for that. You know, we think, and that's that's what we want to focus on. When we hear this parable. We want to focus on uh, that the, the master is safe So so these these. Lazy-bones guys, hungover dudes, uh, they would have not been able to feed their family because they hadn't had work. And so rather than these other laborers, rather than saying, thank God, this, these families are saved from hunger. Because if they're hungry that day, then they're less qualified the next day because they're weak, right? And so, um, but rather than saying, well, we're so grateful that the master would save his whole family from starvation and from, uh, and, and from certain poverty... Uh, that uh, we're upset about what what we haven't gotten. There's, so we, it requires death to ourselves in, in terms of what we get out of the deal and a joy for what others are receiving. Okay? So, go, yes, uh, um, uh One thing I
1: get out of that, it's never too late as long as you put yourself in a position to receive it.
0: As long as you put yourself in the position to receive it. Now, how would one go about putting themselves in a position, wake up one day and think, oh, you know what I haven't done? Gosh, it's, I'm 85 years old. I probably ought to get this God thing worked out. What, what, how does one do that?
1: Just like you say, wake up. And decide to give your life to Christ.
0: Now, I agree with that.
1: So and 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 the, the uh, thing of the, the lazy guys, had they not come to that the place of the of the vineyard for the, for the, the the master to see them, they had never got it. They could have just woke up, hung up, whatever. Oh, I don't feel like going down there today. I'm just gonna lay here. But they, instead, they went down. Yes, did they, they did
0: come. They did put, they themselves, put themselves in that did not, position. I, I I'll, I'll grant you that. But I think for you and me, looking back, when we, whenever it was in your life that you gave your life to Christ, for me, whenever it was, I look back on that and I did make a decision. But now I look back on it a little bit differently because I know I could never have made that decision if God hadn't already been working in my life. Yes, John. Okay, so I just have to come to the sense of the lazy, drunk people
1: because they might have been physically or mentally infirm They might not have these advantages, or maybe they didn't have someone in their life to show them that. And I'm, only, and I'm saying this because I, I don't know what they do here at Jacksonville, but in Las Vegas, they do have day laborers. The construction people go out to the home Depots. there's a line of men, and they do the most able body. But I will say this, there are, I don't know if they're true family units, but they're family units anyways, and they <coughs> will push forward a less able person, or they will share, because they're more like a communal... A commune. But, so, I don't know if they're all lazy, they were all drunk, but they might have not... But, okay, just for example, there's always been God there was a church fest when I was a kid. My grandparents were Christians, my mom did not go to church or whatever. And so sort of all the time in my life, there's been little sprinklings. But I didn't really make that decision, until so I wanted to get divorced. My, my grandma was like, no, you're going to take your problems to church. Then we'll talk about it. And then I, you know, but every day I wake up and say, how can I better serve you? Like, say, well, what, here I am, what can I do for you? But it's a daily decision.
0: Well, it is, it I is. I have
1: more, but I have more capability now because I have more resources, I have more knowledge, I have more, I have more everything than I did 20 years ago. For sure. You know? So. For sure. The and thing
0: is about so the parable,
1: that, I mean,
0: the, the parables don't give us a comprehensive, systematic theology. You know, they, 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 they are addressing one thing, and I think the one thing that this addresses is the graciousness of the Master. And I think we all do better to find ourselves later in the day, you know, Nobody looks at themselves and says, well, I'm at 6 a.m. Now, maybe you can't think of a time in your life where you didn't know the Lord. And that I think, gosh, we thank God for that. But um, but all of us can can find flaws in, in our discipleship. And so I think for us to find ourselves later in the day in this parable will do us well to thank God for the master rather than to looking at ourselves and what we what we deserve. Um, so the kingdom of heaven is ruled not by law, not even by fairness, but by grace. Uh, and so we this requires, I think, death to ourselves in terms of death to our, our rights, death to what we think we're owed, a resurrection, excuse me, my goodness, a resurrection to uh, joy for others, resurrection to the joy of working for the master. I mean, that's the thing, like, I don't, I mean, I hope, the other thing I've never heard anybody say is, God, I wish I hadn't spent my whole life working for Jesus when I could have just given my life to him when I was 80. I mean, I could have had to think of all the fun that I missed out on. Never heard anybody say that. Thank God I'm a Christian. And I mean that. Thank God. I can't thank myself. I can't have myself on the back of I Thank God I'm a Christian. Um, you don't ever think, God, this, this sun So Now, there are times where I think, God, what are you doing, man? Anybody else? Like, I mean, I had... I'm just I'm just gonna put it out there, and some I mean I, I lost a dear friend yesterday, um, fifty years old, colon cancer, like the most faithful guy, like he's just he had such an impact on so many people, and I think like why him? Like that didn't make any sense, like and and so there's plenty of times I'm like why I don't understand, but gosh I'm so glad to ask these questions in the presence of the master, rather than to go off on my own, like I just can't imagine, and so like. Nobody says, well, I wish I just hadn't come to Christ so I could have more fun or, or, you know. It's just, it is a joy to work in the vineyard. It's a joy to be in the vineyard. All right. So we, uh, resurrection to um, submission to the master's wisdom. In fact, my buddy would have said, listen, just trust him. Just praise him. I don't know why he's making this choice. Just praise him for, for this. More upside-downness to come. Jesus is headed now willingly towards his death, and he foretells his death uh, for a third time. Okay, so now we're on uh, 17. And Jesus was going, as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside and on the way uh, said to them. Now, isn't that, um, it's a little bit awkward, as, as just the way, but we just want to hear Matthew wants us to say that we're on the way to Jerusalem. We're going up. We're low. We're going up towards Jerusalem. He took the 12 disciples aside but privately, which is weird because who else is with him? Maybe maybe there's an entourage. We are never told that. And on the way, again, we're still traveling. It's just, it's just an awkward sort of sin. He says, See, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged, and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Now, the first time we had a prediction of the Lord's death, when was that? Remember? Remember? Jesus says, "Um, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ. And he says, you're right. Blessed are you, Simon bar And I'm going to be killed in Jerusalem, and on the third day I'm going to rise again. And Peter says, never. We're not going to let that happen to you. And Jesus says, "What? Get behind Get me, me Satan." That's the first one. The second one is uh, it gets a little bit, a little bit clearer. Um, and then the third one, this third one is incredibly specific. It's far and away the most specific. He's mentioned the scribes and the Pharisees before. Now we have the humiliation of being handed over to Gentiles. He's predicted his death, and now he predicts a mocking, flogging, and specifically crucifixion. Now, this is not unexpected to the reader who knows what's happening, you know, to the disciple who's reading Matthew's work. And, and even if they didn't, they would have, he's already said, take up your cross. So we know that a little bit. But, but he's never mentioned crucifixion specifically. He just said he would be killed. And, but I think it's very subtle, but perhaps most shocking, but very important to the context of this section, which is talking about discipleship as death and resurrection, Jesus says, we are going to Jerusalem. You're coming with me to the cross. Like, that is that is the walk of the disciple. Um, we, we are going to Jerusalem. And there's this intended inclusion of the disciple in the journey of Jesus to his death and his resurrection. So the first prediction, Peter is shocked. He says, I'm getting involved. I'm never going to let this happen. Second prediction, they were deeply distressed. That's all it says. He predicts it, they were deeply distressed. Third prediction, nothing in this paragraph. The next paragraph, uh, James and John's mom comes and asks for a promotion for their sons. <laughs> and That's what we're going to talk about next week. It's like they're just not even here he's getting more specific about the trauma and the awfulness of what he's headed towards and now we're actually being brought with him into this journey towards death and resurrection and and they are less and less concerned about it whether whether Matthew meant that or not I, I can't say but uh, but I think it is it is striking he probably did it's striking that there the the um, the danger and the drama is heightened, and the response is, I wouldn't say it was, it's numbed, isn't it? It's like when, you know, the first school shooting in Columbine, like we just couldn't quit watching the news. It was awful. And now you hear about one and you turn the channel. Like it's just, it's, we get numbed to the trauma. And, and I think the disciples were experiencing uh, something like that. Um, it is, uh, but I think it's it's incredibly important that there's three predictions. Three is the perfect number in the Bible. It's a, a number of, of exactness, a number of truth, a number that we can, um, and that's why we have the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It, it, it mirrors, the, it's a divine number uh, in sort of numerology. And I'm not, it's, I don't mean that in a sort of astrology sort of way, but a, a way to understand what the Bible is saying. I don't, I'm not, I'm no expert on that, uh, n- number biblical numbering, but do you know anything about that specifically? The number three uh, and and why it's uh, what I mean. I know it's specific, and do you have anything to fill out that is uh, important in in this section, George? Not more than you already said. Yes. <laughs> You're a great a assistant. Time. You're yeah. such a good assistant. Yes, it was a diplomatic answer. Um, Beth, any, anything? There? Um. The, uh, so anyway, I just think it's really important. And again, there is no question about why why we're on this journey. We're not coming back. It's a one-way ticket. Right? We're not coming back until Easter morning. right? So that's, 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 that's what we got. All right, next week, we're going to start with verse 20. James and John, the uh, sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. Uh, the mother of the sons of Zebedee must have been with them on the road, and probably lots of others, and she's the one who comes and says, uh, hey, I got, uh, if you're not coming back, I got, I got a favor. Uh, if you're gone, I got a favor to have. Um, all right, so we're gonna, we're gonna leave it right there. Questions or comments, we got a minute or two, yeah. Just think about the parable. Um, as somebody who's worked for a small company that sometimes struggles with payroll, you know, being the first to cash your check, being the first to collect your day's wages, Sometimes you got your wages, while well, the last might not. I think, you know, from an earthly perspective, being first versus last could diminish your what you're receiving. I think it's just important to realize that on the heavenly side of things, nobody else's denarius diminishes your denarius. Yeah. You know, your, your gift is never diminished by your gift, your gift or your gift. That's right. Yeah, I don't get less of heaven because you get heaven. That's a really good point. No one's denarius is diminished. I like that. Thank you. I
1: liked what you said too
0: that the master kept looking. He kept going out. Yeah, the master kept looking. He's constantly... You know, the last... The last... Almost the last verse in Scripture. Revelation chapter 22. Not the last verse, but almost the last verse. The master says, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. they're still... Inviting at the last verse, Amy. Oh
1: no, I just was—I was noticing how
0: it said that the owner, um, the owner of the vineyard, said, "Call the laborers in, pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. Like it was sort of like he was saying,
1: "I need to make a point here, so do it this way." Right. You know, like that's sort of saying. Like he was trying to say, "I'm—that—that's I'm, th- what he's trying to teach." You know. I don't know if they typically did it from who had been there at the beginning to the end.
0: Yeah, I don't, I mean, there, I have no idea what was typical of who got paid when, but he, yeah, he does make a specific right. point of paying the last first. Right, like, they're all
1: here, but
0: I yeah. want you to
1: definitely pay the ones who got here. Yeah.
0: They, all, they all got paid what they agreed to. And they all got paid what they agreed to. That's what he says, hey, I'm not doing anything wrong. You agreed to this. Like, you signed the contract. But there does seem, I mean, there is, there's a, it does smell a little funny. Like, just, there's a, yes, okay, yeah, I agree, but you just, so it just, it, it smells a little funny. But, um, again, this is not, this is not a... Uh, not it's, it's not contract law. It's not contract law. It's not how Yeah. is. Um, let's see, George and... George, go ahead. You know,
1: there's so much discussion, as you were talking earlier, about the injustice of this, you know, from a fair wage and, and labor standards position. So when you think of it in terms of God's heavenly kingdom uh, being the Daenerys, as you put it, um, the gr- the gripe about not getting fair treatment is a reminder that we ought not to ask for fair treatment because of what we justly deserve.
0: And that's a wonderful point, George. If you couldn't hear, him, for those in line, George, if if we ask for fair treatment, we're going to get what we deserve, and none of us wants that. Uh, <laughs> right. So uh, that's that's. <laughs> Again, we are late-in-the-day late laborers. You know, late-in-the-day. Late late-in-the-day. That's, that's a wonderful, wonderful point. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Katie has a point. Thank you, Katie. Let's, let's hear what you got. i just sitting here thinking how similar
1: the prodigal son, the lost sheep, and this parable are. It's to change our mindsets from us to others. That everyone to God is valuable. Even that very last one, or that last lost one. Or that one who was,
0: and left, and then came back. Yeah, absolutely, Katie. Thank you so much. It's it's, it's taking, this whole upside-down kingdom is taking our fallen opinion off of ourself, and putting it on others. You know, like, who... He says, what among you would leave, isn't going to leave the 99 and go after the 1? The answer to that is all of us would not leave the 99. None of us would leave the 99 and go after the 1. It's stupid sheep left on his own, I like, I can't afford to leave the 99. That's, that's the thing. That we want to, um, we want to it's, it's completely upside down. But I think you're absolutely right. Uh, but that we're, we're um, it's taking our fallen eyes off of our narcissistic selves. Placing them to love God and love others. Dort, I think and I, and I think when he paid the last workers first,
1: let the others see. Had he, had he passed the, paid the, the, the longer workers first, they may have gotten their pay and left. But he wanted them to see that how you okay. could benefit.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Now let me say it again. If you if you treat your employees like this, and,
1: and, oh, I'm a union man. I, 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 yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> I mean the union's gonna have something to say about this, and nobody's gonna show up at your place before five o'clock the next day. Then the next day after that, you'll be out of business. So don't you know this is not. This is about, there's time and a half. And yeah, time and a half. Okay, yeah, that's right. Um, all right. So. Well, I think we're we're there. We're at, at fifteen, but I, I really appreciate your wonderful engagement with this, and we will be in the second half of chapter 20 next week. God bless you. Uh, let's we, are, we got a couple. I see a couple puppies uh, in the room already, ready for their blessing. They go round up the herd. We got. I hear we got chickens and cats and dog. I mean, uh, dogs and and horses. No tigers. No tigers.